You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Good morning, everybody. You guys are quiet. I have fun worshiping with you this morning. Um, I have, I've, the last few weeks, it's just, it's just been fun. Uh, it's been fun to be here. I'm grateful to be here. Um, if you will keep the Diaz family in your, in your prayers, this was, uh, Kennedy was supposed to turn 17 this weekend. Uh, and so we miss her a lot, miss having her, her face and her attitude. Um, I got that more than most, uh, that, that Kennedy Diaz sass. And I miss it. She had a bite, and I really miss it. Um, but we know that she is having a celebration of celebrations in heaven, her first heavenly birthday, so we're just really excited uh, that she's there in glory. But just be praying for that family as they continue to mourn the loss of Kennedy. And You know, we, we can say this. We can, we, can, we can talk about Kennedy, and we can celebrate her life, and we can recognize the reality of where she is and what's going on. Zach, can you turn me down just a little bit in the house? I'm like yelling at myself, and I want to be yelling at you, so I need that fixed. Um, so, but anyways, we can look at this, and we can see this, and now this is, this is a truth that we all kind of just say, right, until you come to a moment where you experience real loss, and you have to recognize the reality that, okay, they are actually with the Lord in glory. Like, and we have to rest in that, but how do we rest in that? How do we stay joyful in moments of loss? So what we talked about last week, it's having the, the correct lens to see the, the world the way the Lord would have you see the, see the world, to see the circumstance. Because if we don't have the correct lens, all we see is a loss. But if we have the correct lens, we look at Kennedy's life and we look at a full life that that little girl lived and the transformation that the Lord did through her, not just in her, but to the world around her. And then we can also celebrate the reality that she is perfectly restored and whole alive in glory before the presence of the king, right? It's all about the lens that we wear. If faith is what you have seen, if faith is what we have experienced, I have faith in the unseen. It says in Hebrews that that we have faith in the unseen. So I got trigger happy over there. (laughs) Faith in the unseen. But why do we have faith in the unseen? Because we've experienced the unseen. We're not meant to just, blind faith is is not a thing that, that's, that's a worldly thing. You understand this. This is not something of God. Faith grows from encounter, right? Even though I can't see him, I experience him and I see his fingerprints throughout my story and my faith increases every time I experience a miracle of God, every time I encounter his presence. Our faith during that worship time should be increasing because we're in the presence of God. And when you encounter the presence of God, faith increases. And so we have faith in the unseen because I have seen him move. I have experienced his moving, experienced his heart. And if this is faith, what we have seen, then hope is the way that we see. Hope are the glasses that you see the world with. And we place these glasses on all those around us. And so the issue is is that we often as Christians, as those God is making his appeal through, we oftentimes are not wearing a hopeful lens but we're wearing a hopeless lens. And so what are we putting on all those around us? Those that know the Lord and those that do not know the Lord, what are we establishing over their eyes? Hopelessness. 
hopelessness. I've been thinking about that word a lot lately, especially when it comes to sundown Texas. Because I, if, if I can use an outdoorsy analogy, when I got here, I knew there was something lurking in the bushes. When we first came here eight years ago, we knew there was something there, but it hadn't yet revealed itself. But we could sense it. And the conversations that we would have and the things that we as a church would be trying to do, we could sense that there was something there that was not wanting us to establish the things that God wanted to establish. And then as COVID comes in and this pandemic and everything shakes, everything becomes exposed. And what I realized is how many of us as believers carried hopelessness in sundown Texas. And then we wonder why everyone that lives here seems to just wear this cloak of hopelessness. Because we, the people of God, have worn it first, and we've put it over their eyes. But praise God, because He is a patient God, and He is a merciful God, and His grace is ever-increasing, ever-enduring. And so there is, there is a moment where we could have a shift, a change. We could repent and turn from the way that we were walking, and that was last week as the Lord removed the, the lens of hopelessness, and He didn't just remove it, but He placed it under your feet that you would stomp it and crush it, that you could never pick it up again. That it would never be worn over your eyes again, but that you would see the world, and we anointed you, and the Lord anointed you last week, that you would see the world with a hopeful lens and nothing else. But that you would see the world with a hopeful lens. And we looked at several examples in Scripture of those that were wearing the wrong lens. And we're going to read this just really quick in Numbers 13. That's where we'll start today. This is still just some review to get us to where we're going. Numbers 13, verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. This was the promised land that the Lord was leading them to. And they came out to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw descendants of Anak, the Amalekites, dwell in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone, down, had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that dwell in it. We got two lenses going on right there, church. Two different lenses. One is quick to remember what the Lord has already done and what the Lord has already put on display, the power and might, and remembered the word that the Lord spoke. You will always, if you are wearing the correct lens, if you are wearing a lens of hope, when you come to a difficult moment, you will always go back to the last thing that the Lord spoke. That is where your mind is meant to go because it's meant to keep us grounded moving ahead. But if you are wearing a hopeless lens, you will default back to before the Lord got a hold of you. 
Because what did they do? They went straight back to their slave mentality as though they were still slaves, powerless and captive in Egypt. Immediately. The same people that saw the parting of the Red Sea, that saw a cloud that guided them by day and a pillar of fire that protected them by night. They have seen miracles beyond miracles. They have literally seen a nation's armies be destroyed because it put an ill foot towards the people of God. And now the Lord has said, this is the land in which I have promised you, and here it is for your taking. And what did they do? They immediately default back to hopelessness, and they put on a hopeless lens. But praise God, because last week we crushed a hopeless lens. But I'm telling you one thing right now, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. This week, I could feel the enemy just whispering, like, just go ahead and start picking up the pieces of that hopeless lens. Reconstruct it. Wear it again. And that'll make sense in a little bit. But I'm positive I'm not the only one. But even after everything that the Israelites have seen, they at every moment of uncertainty put on a lens of hopelessness. Church, that cannot be us. Every moment of uncertainty, helpless or hopelessness is picked up and put on. And that seems to be the case for most Christians. We are good on the mountaintop. But the second we enter the valley, where is God? He has left me. It, all hope is lost. This community's going down the toilet and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Our nation is in, in shambles and there's nothing I can do to change it. And then we sit there as a victim without power. This is not the way that you learn the Lord. This is not the God that we've known. This is not the God that we've been taught. We are not meant to pick up hopelessness at every moment of uncertainty. That is not to be us. Amen? We will not be those people. Last week, again, we removed the lens of hopelessness and crushed it under our feet as we put on hope. And church, this is, this is something I've been sitting with all week. This is, this is world. I feel this message, these last two weeks, I, surface level, I, if somebody asked me what I was talking about, I'd, I'm talking about hope. And Every pastor that's ever existed in all of time has preached a sermon on hope, right? But for some reason, this message that the Lord has of hope right now feels world-altering and shifting. That if we, the people of God, can subscribe our lives to this truth of a lens of hopefulness, not hopelessness, we will see our city transformed. It's like he literally just gave us the keys to transformation in Sundown, Texas. And it's hope. How easy is that? You want to know how to choose hope in a, in a really difficult situation? Find anything positive and say yes to that. At every moment. And if you can't think of a single good thing, God is still good. And the one thing that remains even in a horrible situation is that his love has never failed. And it will never fail. It's so funny. I, so I grew up, uh, you guys know this about me. I've played in a lot of different worship settings. And so if I'm listening to Christian music, I'm listening to worship sets from other churches. I'm on YouTube and I'm listening to worship sets. I like the, law, the live, raw experience. And as I was listening this week, you know what song came up with every church I listened to? One Thing Remains. We played it last week, 
And I was not going to say anything to Jay because I just like having fun with the Spirit of God. I'm like, are you going to, are we unified? Are we not unified? We're going to see. And, and then he, he brings up one thing remains and I'm like, yes. But what it also tells me is that the Lord is trying to get us to understand something. He is trying to get us to understand a specific truth. I'm off note a little bit here, but that we would understand that in the midst of all the chaos of the world that we face, there is one thing that remains, and that is the only thing that matters, is that His love has never failed, and it will never fail, and it will never stop pursuing you, it will never stop pursuing me, it will never stop being ahead of you, all around you, behind you, and propelling you forward. This is one thing that remains. And if we can understand that, there will never be a hopeless lens over your eyes again. Because at the end of the day, one thing remains. In the midst of tragedy and difficulty and days with question marks, I look ahead at the days of sundown Texas that are to come and there's just a, I just don't know what they're going to look like. But I know what will be present in them before I get there and what will be waiting for me the moment I wake up in that day will be the love of God that has gone before me and has established itself there. Amen? This is good. The world will shift around us, church, as we wear hope and see with hopeful eyes. Because again, this reality that you have to understand that if you are putting on hope everywhere you go, guess what you're putting on those around you? Hope. And it will transform the world around you. Amen? When we see the world with hope, and we come to a difficult season or circumstance, we are not shaken. And in our response, this is another truth that I heard this week that has been profound to me. And it's, it's a statement that I just need you to sit with for a second. But we, in, in moments of difficulty and moments of great success, we are to pray to the promise and not to the problem. Pray to the promise and not the problem. We've talked about this a couple, a couple different times, and Jay mentioned it just with some testimony of some things he was dealing with. He was looking at the problem and trying to find the solution within it. Church, we've got to look at the promise, not at the problem. Because for every earthly problem, there is a heavenly provision. And the Lord spoke promises before we came to the moments where we knew we needed them. We remember, when we pray to the promise, we remember who our God is in comparison to what we face. Church, right now, we've, we've got, we're in a difficult season in Sundown, Texas. We've got people leaving. We've got, and even the people that are staying, there's a distance that's being created within the community. A, a, an isolation of individuals that are, are retreating back with no desire to engage in the community anymore. It's kind of, it's this weird departure that we have going on, this separation that's happening right now, as people are just not happy with the way things are going. But people are speaking of sundown, and we Christians, we those who have been anointed to minister to this community, we are just as guilty of this, but we are speaking of sundown without hope. We are speaking of this community as it is already a lost cause. No, the Lord did not pull me kicking and screaming from every comfort I ever knew and drop me in the middle of the desert to fail. I'm not going to do it. I've lived out here in West Texas for eight years, going on nine years, and we did not come all this way for nothing. 
We came all this way for power and transformation. Amen? Amen. And you have not come all this way and lived the life that you've lived for where sundown is right now, but for where sundown will be because you are here right now. You hear what I'm saying to you? Good. We've got longtime members of this house that, that, are, that, are, that are just not here anymore. We've got people speaking without hope, but God said. And recognize this, that God's word is not determined by our circumstance. Amen? God said over this house that this will be the fourth pillar in the move of God that we are currently in. God said, and he spoke that years ago, years and years and years ago. God said that he has constructed and will continue the construction of this highway of holiness that will lead people to sundown Texas. And we are literally seeing that. I just went through a, a baseball. I, I get to coach my boys. I'm at the, they're at that age where they'll listen to me and I have enough information to where I can be helpful. It's not going to last very long, but I'm enjoying it while I can. And I, I'm coaching a lot of people, a lot of people's kids. And I'm meeting them and it's, where are you from? Florida, Dallas, uh, Louisiana. And it's like, why are you here? And all of their circumstances, it, those that believe and those that don't, you just see the Lord totally led them here. Totally led them here. They had all these places that they could go, but for some reason sundown just felt right. Okay, so God promised the highway of holiness and he has done it. He is, he is delivering people on this highway of holiness each and every day. God said that sundown Texas will be an oasis in the desert. God said that his presence will be established in every home of this community. And God said that sundown will look more like the kingdom than a city and a state in a country. Amen? Amen. But what did we talk about last week? These things take time. And right now we find ourselves in a season of pruning. And pruning is not ever fun. And oftentimes it feels counterproductive because you have to cut away beautiful growth so that ten times more can come from it. Right? You've got one beautiful rosebud and guess where you've got to cut? Right there. But when you cut that away, when you prune that away, four more are going to come in its place. This is the design of pruning, that you can take away that which is not needed and the Lord can add and grow. And we are in this season of pruning right now. But don't get it mistaken. The Lord is still moving and still doing all that He promised. It's just taking some time. That's something that we've got to be okay with. In our consumer culture, have it now mentality, we're not great with building that which takes time. We want it now. I'm guilty of this. I'm like a toddler with money. And I want things now. Even if it's irresponsible. It's gotten me in trouble. Right? But that's another sermon. Okay? I'm getting better. But before the circumstances, before we came to this moment right here, our all-knowing God spoke these promises. And these are just a small glimpse into the promises that the Lord has spoken over this house. These are just the ones I could remember off the top of my head. I've got a notebook in my office full of promises 
that the Lord has spoken over this community and over this church. Our all-knowing God, before we came to any circumstance, spoke these promises. So the promise is to be our response in every situation. We are not meant to sit and dwell on the problem. Amen? Amen. But to recite and recall and pray into the promise that the Lord has already spoken. Okay? That's That's a side note. We are meant to see with hope. And the lens that you wear lets you look at the results of what the Lord is doing correctly. Turn with me to 1 Samuel. We'll be in 13. And and chapter 14, we'll kind of be skipping around. It'll be on the screen. You can also follow along with me in your Bibles. 1 Samuel 13, 14 through 15 is where we will start. But now, your kingdom shall not continue The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and the Lord has commanded him to be the prince over his people because you have not kept the word. You have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal and the rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gebeh in Benjamin of Benjamin. Okay, so we know what's happening right here. If you don't know what's happening right here, Uh, Saul was commanded to destroy everything, and he didn't. He took the best of what they had, and he was going to offer it as a sacrifice, and this is called the unholy sacrifice because it's in disobedience. Your best intentions, even if they are your very best intentions, when done in disobedience to what the Lord commanded you to do, are filthy rags. You understand this, right? Your best idea, if it is not in obedience, is the worst thing that you could do. Okay, and this is an example of that. Saul has just had the anointing removed from him. Now, in 14, but they've still got problems. They've still got a a whole nation of people that are ready to kill them and enslave them. So chapter 14, verse 1. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And... That all of Israel is hiding, just more context, all of Israel is hiding in caves right now. Hiding from this army. They are in shambles. Their nation is in shambles. And Saul has got 600 men with him in this cave. And Jonathan has just said to his armor bearer, let's go up to the Philistines camp. And let's not tell anybody, let's just go. So verse 6. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Before, behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hand and this shall be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have been hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. 
Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within as it were half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and even the raiders trembled and the earth quaked and it became a very great panic. It's just a cool story, right? I mean, Jonathan's just a bad dude and his armor bearer too. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but verse 7, the armor bearer's response to his master. My prayer this morning is that this would be our response to the Lord from this day forward. Father God, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. What a response. In a moment of difficulty for that man to say to Jonathan, I am with you to this degree. Do whatever you got to do. I'm with you. It's a beautiful testament. It's a beautiful moment. Verse 19. Now, while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult and the tumult, tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow. And there, were, there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time, who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed, oh, passed beyond Bethaven. That's a lot of scripture. It's a lot going on there. But Saul, Saul had a hopeless lens over his eyes. And his son remembered what the Lord had done and who the Lord was. So you have two different lenses. Right then and there. One is hopeless and hiding in fear. And one thinks, I can take them. I'll do it by myself. I don't need these 600 men that are with my father. I'll go out with my armor bearer and he would literally knock them down and keep moving through them as his armor bearer is just chopping heads right behind him. And with this lens of hope, he begins to destroy the camp of those who sought to destroy and enslave Israel. I had this, this moment where I was just talking to the Lord and and just ask this question of what situation or circumstance church has caused you to hide in a cave because you're looking at it with the wrong lens? What is the Lord trying to lead you into because there is freedom and provision and breakthrough, but you're looking at it with a hopeless lens and therefore hiding in a cave because of it? Ask yourself this. This is for your own reflection, but no more are we to do this. Now we have the correct lens and I pray that the Lord will bring that to your attention, what it is that he would call you into and you will step into it with hope and, and fullness and faith. Amen. But now with this correct lens and you are meant to enter this camp and you are meant to destroy it. And the most profound thing about this story, though, the reason I wanted to share it this morning is the fact that these two men with a lens of hope changed the nation's lens. 
Because look at how the, the, the ripple effect of their actions and obedience and faith and who the Lord was and their confidence in Him to deliver them. They changed the nation. All of Israel had a lens change. We see it in verse 20 of chapter 14, I think. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle because of the two men that were causing... Uh, causing just the commotion and, and finding success in the Philistines' camp. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against each other. So these two men not only went in and just started chopping off heads, but they created such uh, chaos that the Philistine army literally started killing each other in the chaos. They did not recognize their fellow and began to fight themselves. And what it says, what we didn't read, what it says before this is that the Philistines had taken all the blacksmiths out of Israel, and so there was no one to sharpen their swords, there was no one to make weaponry. So Jonathan and Saul were literally the only two dudes in the army that had a sword. And one of them destroyed the entirety of an army set against them. And he didn't even need any more because the Philistines were going to use their swords on each other. And then not only that, then Saul, his father, his cowardly father, rallies and goes with him and takes those men and they go into battle. And then all those rest that are scattered in the hill country and hiding in the caves hear of this and have a lens change and they go into battle. This is the importance is that two people put on a lens of hope and the entirety of a nation was transformed. Are there two people in here that can wear hope? If there are two people in here that can wear hope, I only, need, I only need one more. I got it. I only need one more. And then I am confident with one more that sees hope and not hopelessness, this city will be transformed. And all that God has promised will be realized. And we will see the fruition of it in Jesus' name. Because it took two with the lens of hope. And the Lord didn't command Jonathan to do this. This is another lesson. We were talking about this last night. Uh, Melissa, Zach, and Sarah and myself, we got to talk about this. It's just the authority that we as sons and daughters really carry. That he just straight up went there and was like, I'm going to put these guys and the Lord to the test a little bit. I'm just, this is going to be, this is the parameters of my action, Lord. If they invite me up, I'm going to slaughter them all in your name. If they don't, then we'll stay where we're at. And they invited him up. He's like, well, I guess the Lord really wants me to kill him. And so he did. He didn't even question. He didn't stop for a second and say, oh, holy Jesus. Can I take a step forward? We as Christians, we are so timid at carrying the power that the Lord has given. Be like, Lord, if it's okay, I'm going to step. All right, nothing bad happened, I'll step. And that's how we move forward in our story. So timid, so afraid not recognizing the authority and power that you carry. If you are walking in fellowship and unity with the Lord, then you go because change will be made and the provision of God goes before you and is established in front of you. Amen? Amen. We need to start taking this seriously, church, the authority that we carry. They put on the lens of hope to all those around them. So now we know for a fact that whatever I wear, those around me will also wear. And if I wear hope, sundown will wear hope. What a beautiful testimony of truth. The contagiousness of hope. Hopelessness is contagious. And so is hope.
and I'd much rather live in hope. Amen? And I was thinking about this story this week that they put on this lens of hope to all those around them, to the entirety of their nation that at one moment lived in fear. And I'm just sitting here wondering, why can't that happen here? Why not sundown? Why not Lubbock? Why not West Texas? Why can't that happen here? And you know what the answer is? It can. The only thing that will stop it is if we continue to put hopelessness on those around us. But if we put on hope, it will happen. It will happen when this is our response to our Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Every day. If that would be our response before my feet hit the floor, Lord, do whatever is in your heart. I am with you completely. What a powerful testimony that would be to this nation to this country around us if we, the people of God, existed with that mantra and that was the testimony of our hearts that we say to God, do whatever is in your heart, I'm with you. Amen? Amen. Let that be here in our city, amen? amen? The Lord has revealed the key, church, to transformation in Sundown, Texas, to West Texas, in this season, it, you know, we, we talked about this as the revivals were breaking out. Uh, and the, the Asbury revivals and these revivals that are still, just because it's not popular on social media, it doesn't mean it's stopped. You need to understand this. Kendall McDonald, who used to be pastor here, who's a pastor in uh, East Texas and, and Nacogdoches, they are baptizing college kids every week. Not, not like one or two, they've got lines of kids that they're baptizing over and over and over again. And we talk to ministers there, like, dude, what are you guys doing? They're like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. We're not doing anything. We're just praying and the Lord is just delivering. There's just a move, a sweeping of the Spirit that is going across this nation. It's just not going to be covered because our, our, the, the things that we rely on getting information don't like Jesus, right? So just... Don't worry about that. He is, he is moving still in power and authority. Amen? He is moving. And the Lord has revealed that. And in, in that revival, again, going back to where I started, in that revival, the miracles that we saw, the outpouring of the Spirit that we saw was in response to where the world was at that moment, where people are in that moment. And so what we saw a release of was not profound healing, was not the raising of dead, the cleansing of the sick. It was a heavy and profound release of peace. Because what our nation deals with is anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. These are the things that have crept in the back door and now exist in epic fashion in our nation. And the Lord in His release of the Spirit did exactly what we needed. And He released peace. And now the Lord has said, and it didn't make sense, right? Because in revival and, and past revivals and stories that we've seen, there's this breakout of miracles. And now there are miracles taking place, don't get me wrong. But what the Lord needed to do was deliver and heal and miraculously transform people's minds. And that's what, he was, that's what He's doing right now. And so I say all of that to recognize this reality that the key the Lord has revealed to transforming our city is not what we may have thought it would be. It doesn't mean, maybe it it isn't more events. It isn't more people in this building. 
It's the people that love the Lord and walk with the Spirit operating in hope. He said, this is the key that will transform this city. And not just this city, but West Texas. As we exist in hope. And we will stand out so brightly. You will not be able to ignore us because this nation has absolutely and completely subscribed to hopelessness. Our our world just feels hopeless. But praise God, He's released the key. And He's released it to us. Will we stand in it and move forward in it? Amen? Amen. Church, I had a... uh, Just a second. Uh, I, I told you, and I, want, I wanted to share this with you because uh, this is important for you guys. This, is, this, in, this involves you. This is your family too. Uh, I, I said at the beginning that the, Lord, that the enemy was tempting me to pick up the pieces of this hopeless lens and put them on my face again, over my eyes. He tried it all week. And he tried it with one specific thing. And, and I, I, I'm so grateful to the Lord that he... He did what he said he would do last week. He crushed the lens of hopelessness underneath my feet and he anointed my eyes with hope. Because this week we got a call and Darby has just been diagnosed with cancer. But there has not been a tear shed. And the only time I think about and I get teary like I am right now is because I am overcome with joy. Because when she told us this, it like hit Sarah and I and just like fell on the floor. It's like, no, that's not attaching to us. We know what the reality of it is, um, but it, it just felt like enemy of all the things that you thought that were going to derail us. Are you kidding me? Like that ain't going to get it. Like that's the card that you play, please. And it's been profound, the release of the Spirit. People are just coming to them. They don't know what's going on. They're just like, I feel like there's something going on. You need me to pray for you. And they're doing it. They have this community of people that it's running to them. And I was telling them, I was just, we were talking to them this week, and I'm reminded of all that the Lord has done just in the last few weeks of stories that seemed hopeless that are now hopeful. Right? We started with, with Michael Tucker sending us this message out just about his best friend's little boy. 17 weeks premature. Oh my goodness. Not a lot of hope. But he sends it to us and we pray and we pray. And I'm telling you, the second we pray, things start happening. This little boy is doing great. My sister, Paige, has her little baby. Beautiful little baby, Ada. Gorgeous little girl. And their first night at home, she walks over to her and she sees she's blue in the face. And just gets her up and it startles her back to life. And that happened twice. Not fun. Terrifying. She's a, she's a first-time parent, so she don't know what's going on. So there's just this, all of a sudden you're fighting for this baby's life. And I just, it's like, Lord, I don't know what else to do but to get these people to pray. And so I send it out. And the next day, I sent it out on a Tuesday. They had a doctor's appointment on Wednesday. And that baby's lungs were clear. Come on with it. This is the God that we serve. And when we see it with the lens of hope, we see the reality of God moving. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this, this story of Darby, not only uh, just to share with you where I'm at, but also that she's your family too. She's your family too. 
um, and you love her too. And we are going together in hope. Look at this story and be like, it's just Jesus. He's going to be all over it. The enemy's not taking her with this. Please, come on. It's child's play. The enemy is getting more and more pathetic as the days go on. Because he is running out of cards to play. And if the people of God will just stand on what they're meant to stand on, it's just really pathetic what he's got what, and what he's bringing against us. And this is one of those things. But I'm telling you right now, church, it's because of a lens of hope. This is my baby sister. My baby sister. And so if he could have derailed me, he picked the one to derail me with. I, I, this is, Darby's just, she's, she's my person. She's, she's the girl version of Parker. Um, you know, she was, she was the one that if I punched any of my siblings, they would cry and tell on me, right? Even if I f- made them flinch, oh, mom, Parker hit me. And then I got in trouble because I'm the oldest. So it's just, I'm always like, there's always a belt coming at me. They just need a reason before it gets me, right? Um, Darby, if I punched her, she would climb on my back and beat me till I was crying for mom, right? <laughs> like, this is my sister. Uh, and so this is the fighter that she is. And so I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking like, enemy, you really picked the wrong one to poke. Like, that's not the one because she'll climb on top of you and start beating your head like a bongo drum, okay? And, but this is, this is only possible because we look at this story with the lens of hope. That the Lord is going to do what only the Lord can do. And I'm just trying, I'm sharing this with you, not to just keep you informed so that you can be praying, but also that you can recognize that you are not alone in this week of trying to put back on hopelessness. Because I tried. But there are just too many pieces and they were too small. I couldn't reconstruct it. And I found myself forcibly being pressed into hope and praise God for that. He would not let me depart from it, but he wouldn't let us depart from it because he wanted us to understand how wonderful it is. And so this is where I'm staying. Are you going to stay with me? I only need one more. But, yeah? Yeah, you can have new lenses. We'll give you new ones. Yeah, we'll give you new ones right now. We'll give you new ones right now. But church, let's continue in this because hope is the key to changing Sundown Texas. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is the key in Jesus' name. This will be what transforms it because the Lord has said, if you wear it, I will literally through you put it on all those around you. And so pretty soon, there's a lot more than two of us in here. There's a lot more than two. And so if all of us go and wear hope, pretty soon, by week's end, sundown will be clothed in hope. In Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Let's pray over Melissa really quick. Melissa, Melissa, just be ready to receive. And I'm going to pray what the Lord had me pray last week. If you weren't here last week to receive your lens of hope, I'll pray over you right now. But Father God, we thank you and we praise you for the testimony of the anointing that you gave us last week. Father God, we thank you that it, wasn't, it didn't take any time for us to see the reality of putting on a lens of hope in Jesus' name, and what happens and what is produced. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you. And we pray this over Melissa, the same anointing that you poured out over us last week, we pour out over her. and We pour out anyone in here that wasn't a part of it last week. Father God, we pray right now, we surrender the lens of hopelessness in Jesus' name. We set it down beneath our feet. Father God, and we receive a lens of hope. 
Father God, and I pray that as we get up and as we move, we will continue to crush to even finer pieces the lens of hopelessness. That there would be no hope for us to ever be able to put on hopelessness again. That the thought of it, that the ability to do it would be gone from our stories in Jesus' name. Be gone from Melissa's story in Jesus' name. That she would only see and only ever see the world around her through hope. We pray it for all of us in Jesus' name. We put on hope. We will not remove it. Father God, we look at every situation, we look at every circumstance, and we see hope in it. In Jesus' name, and we refuse to see anything but hope. We see hope over Darby's story. We see powerful testimony. We see the release of the Spirit. Father God, we see her going into places that this cancer will open the door door for, and she will bring transformation. She will bring newness of life into these places. That people will find who they're made for and who they're made to be through the encounter they have with Darby because of the presence of God that she carries. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for how you will use this, for how you will put yourself on display miraculously and profoundly in power. We will see it through Darby and we will see it in Sundown, Texas. We say yes to it in Jesus' name. We put on hope. We will not wear anything but hope. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the pruning process. We thank you for the valley. Because only in the valley do dry bones get new flesh. And so you have led us into the valley. You have led this church, this small group of people into the valley. But we are not meant to leave the valley with the same number that we entered into it. We are meant to leave with an army restored and alive again as we go to the, another, the next mountaintop. Father God, we will carry out. We will walk out of the valley with a restored and revived sundown Texas and all those in it. There will be a mighty army in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.